Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the WSC podcast. I'm Erica Luddy. Joining me today is Miss Karen Dyer, my co-host. Hey, y'all. And then we have a very special guest coming to us live from Anchorage, Alaska. We've got Lacey Hoffman. Hello, everyone. <laughs> hey, Lacey. Thank- yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Lacey. Um, we're super excited to have you on the podcast today because you just have a really cool story. Um, Lacey and her husband, Lynn, live up in Anchorage, Alaska, and they are hunting guides. They live a really cool lifestyle, and we're super excited to share that with you guys today. So, Lacey, let's get started. Who are you? Where are you, where are you from, and how did you end up in Alaska, of all places? So, I originally grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, or a suburb right outside of Atlanta, and I lived there until I was 25. And then I decided once I graduated from college, I ended up going up to Alaska and moving up to Alaska um, with a guy that I met from Cancun in high school, actually. Um, (laughs) So I met Lynn in 2000, and and I decided to see if Alaska worked. Um, So in May of 2008, he flew down. Oh, I messed that up. May of 2008, I <laughs> there to see if I liked it. In May of 2009, he flew down. And uh, and we spent 21 days driving up to Alaska. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, which, was, which should have been a really incredible road trip. But I spent a lot of it crying because I was, it was my first time away from my family. Aww. But I was also excited because there was something new that was happening. And I got up to Alaska and we decided that we were going to spend a year seeing if I liked it, seeing if I wanted to move anywhere else, seeing if I even liked Lynn as much as I thought I did. Um, <laughs> and same with him as far as he thought he liked me. And we, I ended up falling in love with him and Alaska. And we got engaged. And I've been living up here ever since. So I've been up here for 11 years. Um, I didn't grow up hunting or fishing I fished a couple times for my dock in South Carolina and he completely introduced me to hunting and fishing first of all fishing so that they could get me into the outdoors more and then slowly into hunting and the past year um, I've been working towards my guy's license and we'll see where that goes (laughs) that's so cool like First off, the fact that you just like moved up there for a guy, you're just like, oh, let's just see if this works. That's incredible. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, ne- I would never do that. <laughs> I'm not that person. My parents and my friends thought I was crazy. They all made bets on whether or not I would, um, I would make it. And they actually, a couple <laughs> of my friends have buddy passes because their parents worked for Delta and they told me that they would fly out and come get me and drive back if I needed to. Um. Been in the middle of winter, and they'd call and check on me, and because I had never been through a winter before either, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the first winter was great. Second winter was, was it? pretty good. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, um, I enjoyed the snow; it was beautiful, and it, it yeah. was different. You know, I find that I love cold weather if there's snow. Like, if there's no snow, I don't like it. But I can enjoy Colorado and go up there, and it's it's just different. So I get it. Exactly. And Lynn introduced me to snowmobiling, too, and that 
I've taken off with that and we go and explore the backcountry a ton and it's awesome. You must have a very adventurous spirit. I do, but it's it's pushed a lot by Lynn, which I'm thankful for. So I <laughs> I wouldn't be doing near the amount of things if I didn't have him in my life. So have there been any situations where he's been like, Hey Lacey, come try and do this and you're like, No, absolutely not and he has to kind of like drag you along and then you're like, Oh, I kinda like that. <laughs> um, there hasn't been anywhere I've been like absolutely not. Um mm-hmm. but there's been some where I've been hesitant just because I'm not sure, like, at first I was hesitant with hunting because I wasn't sure if I wanted to actually go out and be the person that took the life of it. Um, but I went out rabbit hunting and had a lot of fun. I actually didn't think that I was going to be able to shoot a rabbit because I had a rabbit as a pet. Um, yeah. And we got out there and and there were rabbits everywhere. And (laughs) I had so much fun just shooting and retrieving and seeing which ones I could get and which ones, you know, I didn't get. And we ended up limiting out, which was awesome. And at that point in time, he's like, okay, let's take her on a big game animal hunt. And he took me deer hunting in Kodiak. And that one, I actually was supposed to be set up on a bigger buck at the time. And I couldn't get set up in time. And he looked at me and was like, you just don't have it in you, do you? And I looked at him and I was like, shooting the next animal I see. Like, I don't care what it is. <laughs> and I ended up <laughs> taking a doe at this, like the size of a coyote at like 180 yards. We thought it, or it was a button buck. We thought it was a doe. And we ended up walking up to it and it was a button buck. And, uh, mm. and he thought that that was going to be the end of my hunting career. But I ended up handling it okay, and we ended up um, having it as a couple appetizers because it was little. But it was still- <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and from there on out, like I got my goat and my sheep, and yeah, it's been a, that's it's awesome, been a great adventure. We so go ahead. Just r- real quick for those of the people who may not know what a button buck is, because most of our ladies are getting introduced to it, and that's kind of a a word that you don't really know unless you've gotten into it. So a button buck is basically something that looks like a doe because the antlers, it's a young deer and the antlers have not come out yet. So if you get up there, you can see little knobs of where they're about to break through, but she thought it was a doe and shot it with the intention of that. So just to clarify that. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like I said, if I didn't have, if I didn't have Lynn that, to introduce me to hunting, I don't know that I ever would have gotten into hunting. Um, in Atlanta, I had a couple friends that would that wanted me to go duck hunting and wanted me to go deer hunting, and I never never took up the opportunity. Uh, but living in Alaska, just weren't interested in it, or it was it. I, growing up, I didn't. I viewed, I don't know if I viewed hunting as like. I don't know what I viewed hunting as. I didn't, I didn't not accept it, but I didn't accept it. Mm-hmm. I didn't eat game meat. Um, I thought, why, why go kill more animals when you can eat what's at the grocery store, I guess. <laughs> was my, my, uh, I grew up very picky eating. I grew up eating just like cow and potatoes and macaroni and cheese and nachos and chicken nuggets. 
So, like, uh, every other teenager in America? Yeah. <laughs> my dad was very adventurous. My dad was very adventuresome when it came to eating, and he'd have me try things. But every time I tried things, my mom would be like, ew, why are you eating that? Aww. And she grew up eating all sorts of stuff. She grew up in a Finnish community, Finnish household. Like, her parents cooked her fish head stew and all sorts of stuff. And from that, she was like, I'm never making my kids eat, like, what I had to eat. Yeah. Um, so I never grew up eating it. I even at one point in time, right, right. Actually, a couple years before I moved to Alaska, I was going through a freezer with a guy that I was dating and we ended up pulling out V ham, which I didn't make the connection that it was venison at the time. And I ate it. And then I called my mom and told her that I ate venison. And she was like, how could you eat Bambi? And then I partially cried and was like, why did I eat deer? And I was like, it didn't like, and at that point in time, I liked it when I ate it. But psychologically, I was like, I don't know. Mm. And then I didn't want to eat yeah. it again. So, but then after being up in Alaska and seeing, going and actually going hunting and experiencing the going and getting your own meat and harvesting it and seeing what happens to it and processing processing it yourself and being there the entire time and knowing that mm-hmm. it's fulfilled life and has been eating the things that it's supposed to in nature and then having it on your plate is just a completely different experience like I've gone from almost not buying meat at the grocery store of course I buy chicken and stuff like that because whatever but it's definitely a totally different eye-opening experience and mainly through getting educated from it yeah I think that right now is a very um good example of why it is something that is valuable is that you know we've got the coronavirus that's basically shut down most of society and people are freaking out and going and buying in bulk all this stuff and you have these hunters and they're like, Oh no, we got plenty of meat in the freezer. We're like, you know, we don't rely on that in the first place. Um, you know, except for some, like you said, like chicken or, you know, Turkey, but even that, you know, so it's just, it's very interesting to see how valuable it is. And the, the benefit of knowing, Hey, this, I know exactly where this, this animal has been. It's been out in the wild. And then, you kill it humanely and um yeah that's awesome yeah it's definitely a different and and knowing like exactly the process of the meat and what's being put into it like I know Mm -hmm. you know I know that most of my burgers ground with just the meat that I from the animal and I'm gonna make actual burgers I'll add a couple pieces of bacon into it or whatever but it's very very natural and not anything processed within it definitely the the known of knowing where your food comes from is huge yeah um but yeah and then yeah so what would you say are some of your biggest challenges um about moving to Alaska like is there a funny story that kind of sticks out that out that you can laugh at now um of the transition because I'm sure culturally it's very different. Yeah, culturally it's different. Um, we we are actually really, really diverse. A lot of people don't realize it. When I first moved to Alaska, I was I was teaching elementary school 
And I, uh, I had to take three classes in order to be certified to teach up here because of how diverse it is. And I have, at the school I taught at, I have 14 different languages at the elementary school. It's the third most diverse school in the nation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the, and if you're in the community, you, I mean, you notice different languages being spoken in certain, certain areas, um, but you don't notice it as much as unless you're in the schools and seeing it with, you know, kids out at recess and you hear all the different languages being spoken, you like are wondering how they're all communicating. Um, but that was definitely an interesting, interesting culture shock. Cause I didn't, Yeah, I like, I, I have to take multicultural classes to teach in Alaska. Like how many different cultures could be here? Um, and I was shocked. Yeah, I, I was shocked and I was kind of upset that I had to take more classes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized when I started teaching, I was like, oh, this is why. I mean, within, yeah. with Alaska, I think we have eight different native groups alone. Wow. And that, Jeez. I mean, people don't realize that either. Like, we don't have just Eskimos up here. Like, and actually, if you call any Native group that's not an Eskimo an Eskimo, like, that's calling, like, a Black person the N-word. Like, oh, interesting. wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> you don't call each other different names. Like, they're, they're, they're different types. And you won't, like, I mean, if you did that, if, if you went up to a native person and called them an Eskimo, like they aren't going to say that to you, but that's like what. It's very ignorant of you basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But I mean, <clears throat> besides the cultural difference, I guess even me just as a person changing into from com- becoming a non hunter to a hunter, like that was huge. Um, going out and doing the things that I do with Lynn is, I mean, a lot of people don't do in general and a lot of guys that are hunters wouldn't necessarily do either I mean I go out and I pack for him um which means that I help him carry all the gear and the animal off the mountain as well um so that's a different scenario which I can have I've had up to 110 pounds in my pack at a time oh Oh my god good for you girl I don't think I could be I don't think I could carry that it's crazy and it's actually pretty I I find it kind of funny and like my a huge test was two years ago uh we were goat hunting and Lynn was guiding and I was packing and we had this older gentleman and he he was out of shape and and 67 years old so really old to be goat hunting in the first place but it was his last mountain animal that he wanted to get and it was one of his goals in his life and he actually got the biggest one out of the whole season which is awesome. Um, that's awesome the whole time up the mountain he wouldn't let me grab stuff out of his pack because he's he's like uh you're a female and I'm like yeah but I'm your packer like I'm supposed to be like carrying your stuff if I was a male I'd be carrying your stuff you know whatever but I'm mm-hmm. yeah. a five seven female 140 pounds like when you look at me, I don't look like I can pack that much either. Um, yeah. And so uh, by the end of the hunt, he's like, oh, wait, you're the person that's going to be carrying my goat off the mountain. Like, I should have let you carry my stuff up. But <laughs> yeah, he didn't realize that I'm grabbing stuff 
from his pack as I was adjusting it the whole way up. So <laughs> but, you're like, just let it happen, buddy. Exactly. I'm here to help you. <laughs> uh, so that that's kind of a that was kind of a challenge entering this this career. Uh, but as far as just moving to Alaska, just the whole shift of of who I've become, I guess. Because a lot of like, I mean, my mom has even said like, "Whose daughter are you?" Like, you didn't grow up hunting and fishing. Like, you've always loved the outdoors, but you've never been this into it. And she still like, I bring game meat home, and she just looks at me like, "I'm getting my stuff packaged from the grocery store." No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's one of those things where someday when you come home, just don't tell her you brought it and be like, mom, I'm going to make you dinner tonight. And just don't tell her what's in it and then see how she likes it and then go from there. (laughs) Yeah. That's how like I was because I grew up and we didn't have hunting as like a normal activity. Like we had guns. My family was all military. So we had guns. I learned how to shoot from a young age, but I had like that one aunt and uncle that they lived in the country in a trailer and they would hunt for all their food so you'd go to their house and you wouldn't know if you were eating like squirrel or like turkey um so it was it was was a very confusing thing to me as a child I was like I don't understand why we're eating squirrel for dinner why why wouldn't they just buy stuff from the grocery store so I didn't really have a positive view of it until I got down to Texas and I was like oh, okay, now I understand. And I started going hunting and getting more into the community and and understanding all the benefits that go along with it. So same boat, I understand where you're coming from on that one. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's huge benefits as far as hunting your own food goes. Yeah, I told all my like organic um, whole foods friends, I'm like, it's organic, it's non-GMO, it's free range. I know exactly where it came from. I had a very happy life. exactly and then they kind of roll their eyes at me and go back to eating their couscous or whatever <laughs> there, yeah I mean, there's some if most if veggie if they eat meat most people will go will be okay with game as far as but i did ha- i have some vegetarian friends that they ate meat went vegetarian and now they they call themselves huntitarian because they'll eat meat that hunters have taken. So, <laughs> all right, because of the fact, that they eat, like they'll eat it if it's free ranging or it's like that thing, mm. but they don't want to eat something that's packaged from the grocery store. Okay, so, I guess that makes sense. Which, which I get because of the fact that, like, if and those and those people, I feel like are the people that are just against mass production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can I can understand that go and hunt, but it's not. I don't know that it's feasible for everybody to go hunt their own food. Yeah, yeah definitely. No, I totally understand that. Nor um, would I everybody unless they. Were... <laughs> <laughs> we don't need that many people. At least down here in Texas, we already have enough pressure on the hunting land that is available, so we don't need more people. Trying to be like, we need more hunters. Yeah, we need more hunters. Yes. Just... <laughs> but people that like actually want to do it in an ethical way and understand what they're doing and all that stuff not just people just you know out here doing whatever exactly so so how did you start the process of becoming a guide like you know we know Lynn was doing that so he kind of brought you into that whole world but what was like oh I want to do this too um 
as far as that goes, I was, I've been packing for Lynn for the past three years and I've been working up at a camp in the Brooks range, um, which is awesome. It's big game backcountry guides and we do sheep, caribou and grizzly hunts. And we have um, some great guides up there. It's a great community. And Riley, the owner, uh, wanted to sign me on as an extra guide this year for if anything happens as a backup. Um, And also, he wanted to sign me on for if any couples want to come up and hunt or if there's female hunters that want to come up and hunt that want a female guide. Because we don't have any female guides up there. Yeah. Uh, And I thought that it would be awesome to do as well. And I feel comfortable in that area uh, to do it. I've spent a ton of time up there. I spent 48 days up there last year. Wow. Wow. And to put a perspective of where we are in the Brooks Range, you can either drive 15 hours north to Prudhoe Bay, which is where all the oil stuff is happening, or Mm -hmm. take a flight up there. And then from there, you have to take a 45-minute to an hour bush flight to base camp. And from base camp, you have to take a 45-minute to an hour flight out to your spike camp. Wow. <laughs> so not easily accessible is what so you're saying. I can't take, I can't take an you, Uber probably to get cannot, there. <laughs> no, cannot take, <laughs> there. cannot take a flight there. Um, wow. So most people, most of our hunters that are coming up are taking at the least amount four flights because they're taking two commercial, one to get from the lower 48 up to Alaska and then mm-hmm. to get a dead horse and then out to our camp. Oh it, it's it a is, lot of travel. <laughs> it's, the most, it's the most remote. It's the last of the last frontier that is that is that remote that's pretty awesome so yeah spent 48 days up there last year which was amazing um we had now did you just stay the whole time or was that in multiple trips no so we my husband and I drove up to Fairbanks and helped Riley and Ethan get the last of all the stuff that needed to be like groceries and random odds and ends that needed to be driven up there to flown into base camp. And then we, July 31st, we flew out and then we flew back September 10th. So is September kind of like the cutoff date for hunting up in Alaska? Cause it gets too harsh or. As far as up in the Brooks range, um, we actually flew back September 14th, I think. Um, as far as the Brooks range, you don't want to stay past mid September. That's, it's getting pretty dicey as far as flying goes um as far as anywhere else depending upon where you are in the state you can you can hunt i mean we go to kodiak and hunt november all the time okay um but yeah because like down here like that's right when we're like kicking off is like october november Mm -hmm. like we're just getting into whitetail at that point so it's completely different for you guys based on the weather it sounds like October, November, December, October, November, December, she, or like, uh, bear, goat, deer. Okay. You can still hunt caribou if you want to, uh, but sheep and all of that on the Brooks range is, is up. And I think the season ends September 15th anyways for sheep. I had to look that up. Um, (laughs) but yeah, 
we're I mean we're not up there past then anyways yeah so what is the process um to become a sheep guide because you I'm, have I'm sure to... it's not just hey show up and just go walk around the mountains for <laughs> two months no, actually this year this year I'll be surprised if I guide any like actually by myself I might do a bear hunt um bear hunt or caribou hunt but as far as the sheep hunt goes I I 99% sure I won't do it by myself this year and that's not due to my capabilities it's due to whether or not I want to judge a sheep at this point in time and the amount that people are paying to go up I'd rather get another experience Mm. with people and and then go again the next yeah so when when you say judge a sheep you're talking about okay how big is this yeah so in order for a sheep um in order for a sheep to be legal, it has to be eight years old or full curl. And in order for you to count the age of a sheep, you have to count the rings on its horns, which in or- to see that from 300 yards away is hard to tell. Full, yeah. A full curl sheep, I mean, you can tell if it's full curl, the iffy ones you don't want to go after. But the the sheep guides that we have have been sheep guides forever and they I mean they know their sheep and they're on it and it's just being new to the game new to the game as far as guiding um so yeah I want I I want to be certain before I before I get out there and yeah. uh, and then so in order to get your license up in Alaska you have to spend 60 days in an area and then have a guide sign off on you okay and so can you elaborate a little bit more like what is it what goes into being a guide for either sheep or other big game and you know how do you go about getting that knowledge and expertise just for the people that don't understand like the field what that is (laughs) so time in the field is huge a lot of people get it by packing um so Mm -hmm. being a worker at camp and packing and going out with the with the guide and the hunter and cooking the meals and doing all of the all of the work I don't want to say work I want to use the b word all the keywords but like doing all that kind of stuff making sure the hunter's happy and everything and uh and the guide is the one like looking for the animal and picking the route and doing all that and and everything um but yeah so spending time in the field and once you've spent time in the field a guide can sign off on you and whether or not you can guide and that's getting your assistant guide license. So that makes it to where you can work under other outfitters that are above you that either that own concessions or can sell hunts. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So is that like a long-term goal of yours? Like we know that, you know, probably not this year, but maybe like next year you would become a, a proverbial you know, sheep guide. Is there a long-term goal with that? Or you just want to be a sheep guide and that's kind of it for the foreseeable future? As far as the future goes, I I would love to guide. Um, I don't know what our future holds as far as that goes. Um, I know Lynn and I have been talking about having a family. Um, Yeah. So depending upon if that impedes me for a little while, but eventually, yeah, I would love to guide and would love to be out in the wilderness as much as possible and having that be my my job um but I have never had a little one and I don't know how that works as far as being away and if 
Lynn and I can do that. So that might be put on hold and Lynn will continue doing what he's doing as far as yeah. it goes. Cause he has this whole entire calendar year set up for guiding, whether it be hunting, uh, snow or snowmobile. He guides snowmobile tours too. Um, and then he also does commercial fishing. Oh, awesome. So my, my career will be put on hold when that happens until because we've talked about homeschooling kids and talked about doing stuff like that. So I don't know. We'll see. We're doing a, doing a two year plan at a time and seeing where it takes us. Well, that's awesome. But ultimately, <laughs> ultimately I would love to be in the, in the outdoor world and figuring that out. Um, I've also been working with um, Aaron Crook from Raise Them Outdoors and I'm going to go down in June to help out with a camp she does different camps around the lower 48 with kids and um does different like shooting and fishing and outdoor camps and so that's so cool yeah i'm gonna go down and work with her in june and see if what our partnership does and see if i can grow in that way too um and involve more kids in the outdoors and then that way when we have kids my career involves them as well um, that's exciting. Yeah, awesome. so I don't, there's all different directions. I honestly, if I would have looked at my life 10 years ago, I would have never thought that this would have been my life right now. And <laughs> I'm yeah. thankful for it, though. Yeah, it's definitely much more exciting okay. than what my life is because I live in Dallas and it's kind of <laughs> boring sometimes. <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to go snowmobiling or I'm going to go, you know, hike around whatever forest that I'm by. <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely a really cool lifestyle that you guys get to live up there and um, I'm sure you're very grateful for it and it brings you a lot of cool experiences but also a lot of challenges um, I just think it would be so cool being around all the native people up there and learning about their cultures and seeing what they do and how they do it and uh, you know, I've heard of other things like the Iditarod, which seems so cool. And I think that was last month or something. It's actually going on right now. They just had. Oh, it is. Yeah, they just had someone win it. Um, That's awesome. And I, I need to get in touch with my friend Kim. She, she sent me a text yesterday asking me if I wanted to help um, with the dog recovery program there, meaning that if the dogs get, whichever dogs can't make it in the race or whatever. Um, mm-hmm they have people up there taking care of them until the mushers get done. So oh, that's cool. He asked me if I wanted to go help out with that, but I need to know what days it is and whether or not I can, because that would be pretty, a pretty cool thing to help out with. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you want to come help out and just play yeah. with puppies all day? Yes. <laughs> I'm there. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the cool thing about the flexibility of, of our jobs too. Um, Absolutely. Because being, being a school teacher before, I only had three and a half days off and luckily my principal would give me a week every year to go hunt every September when I did teach, uh, yeah. which was cool. And, and we worked it out that way, but then I wanted to do more. So I ended up having to quit <laughs> part of it, but you had to substitute. So that kind of serves that need for when you feel like you want to get back in the classroom, right? Exactly. And I sub at the same school that I well used to sub at the same school that I taught at that's awesome being shut down we're not we're not subbing but 
yeah. part of it right now. Coming. So it'll come back in next year. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I know you guys have a pretty good online presence with like Instagram and YouTube and everything. Um, what inspired you guys to start documenting what you're doing, your journey? We actually, we started documenting, we documented our road trip up to Alaska and all of our friends followed it and thought it was really cool. And then we had our own accounts for a while. And I think three years ago or three and a half years ago, we ended up joining our accounts just because it was like, we're doing the same things. We're together all the time. Like, what's the point of me posting one thing and him posting another that's almost the same? Yeah. Or him posting and then I post almost the same. So we ended up combining them. And then with combining them, we just still continued to document our life the way that we had. And it just took off. Um, <laughs> honestly, we had no expectation of that happening. And people people kept following. And yeah, it's just grown. yeah there was no rhyme or reason it was just (laughs) hey let's continue to document our life we our parents love watching us and our friends like they're so far we have Michigan and Georgia um yeah and that's yeah it's they love to to see what we're up to so that was our main motive um do you ever get calls from your mom where she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Lynn's parents more so. Um, only because I they watch our, our stories, I guess, more often. Uh-huh. Um, but my parents have figured out how to do that now because they didn't realize that you could watch a story and it deletes after 24 hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yep. So now they're they're figuring that out because our Instagram doesn't necessarily line up with exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we might post it a, a month later, or a couple weeks later, just because. Um, but our story is always accurate. Uh, <laughs> and we'll get calls every so often. Um, but yeah, it's definitely there. My mom, my mom is more so surprised at what I'm doing. And she gets, she gets worried with some of the stuff that we do because of some of the situations we've been in. (laughs) I can imagine. I feel like that's just (laughs) such a, like, a a culture shock for your parents. Like, you know, I'm sure they they love you very much and they are supportive of you and whatever endeavors, but they're kind of at the same time, like, I don't understand. Why are you doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Have they come to visit you and stuff? Or are they kind of just like, eh, we're good. They come up, they come up a fair amount, actually. Um, Oh, that's good. They came, they came up a couple years ago and we spent 10 days and I drove them around in my 35 foot RV and we went to all different (laughs) places and we had a blast. And after that (laughs) trip, I think they had a little bit more of like, okay, because at first (laughs) my dad's like, I'm going to rent a motor home and drive it around and, you know, we're going to go on the vacation. And I was like, I have a motor home. You want to pay me that much money? Like. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna pay you but (laughs) Um, and then after that he realized okay like i can drive the motorhome around i i'm independent like lynn has set me up that way thankfully Um, yeah because at first when i moved up i was like wait 
okay, I moved up for this guy and he's making me learn all these things and we're going camping and he's having me set up the tent and he's having me do this and me do that. And I was like, what is going on? And I asked him and he's like, well, when you go out in the woods and you do things like on your own, what are you going to do when I'm not there? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's a valid point. Like, okay. And a year or a year into him doing that I actually went on a girl's trip and I was the only one that could set up all the tents the only one that could set up the tarp so we didn't get rained on the only one that could like do a bunch of the tasks that we needed to do and they're like oh my gosh I'm so glad we brought you along because we wouldn't have been able to we would have been in our cars camping Uh, (laughs) and that would have been a really lame trip (laughs) and with without Lynn I would have figured it out but I like I don't know that I would have had all the, I wouldn't have had all the resources and all the different knowledge that I would have had going into it because he obviously he taught it all to me when I moved up here. Um, so that's been, that's been a cool thing that's developed. That's like, I realized that he was, he didn't want me to do all the work because he wanted me to do all the work. He wanted me to do it, to learn it, to be able to do it all on my own. Same, yeah. same with the RV, like he had me learn how to drive it, he had me learn how to do all the different things if it breaks down. Same thing with the side-by-side when we had that, like it's, and most, I don't want to say most, a lot of females that go out with their boyfriends or husbands have them catered to, and then they go out on their own and they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I definitely see that with like me and my husband. He tends to just do most of it. Because he just, that's what he would prefer to do. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm by myself, I'm still kind of like, <laughs> I feel like a baby giraffe where I'm like, I don't know how to use my legs. Well, <laughs> and then, and it's like, I could, I could figure it out, but it takes. This is what it's supposed to look yeah. like. But... <laughs> it's like, I could figure it out, but it takes me a little bit longer than, you know, somebody else who's, you know, in your position where you've done it from day one. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you kind of got thrown in the deep end and you figured it out already. Whereas I'm still kind of in the shallow pool with what's on <laughs> which is interesting to think about because it's like and you've watched him do it and you know, yeah I mean you know you can do it but it's it's definitely a different outtake on it and my mom I think was a little resentful at first because she's like why is he having you do all these things and I'm like but watch I can do it all now like I like it yeah I like yeah. to be able to know that I can make it on my own if anything is to happen versus being stuck all these things Mm -hmm. that I don't know what to do with yeah exactly like Mm -hmm. I don't want to yeah now would you say that like there's a lot of females in Alaska that are similar in that way or do you think that you've got kind of a a unique um skill set thank thanks to your husband or do you think and I guess this goes for like guiding as well are there other female guides there actually are there's a good group of Alaskans up here female Alaskans that are powerhouses up here we had um at the SCI banquet we we I got invited to a luncheon um by Ruth Kuzak who is um a board member of SCI in, in Alaska and she invited me and I was with 10 other ladies that were either female guides in Alaska or female pilots or um, something huge within the hunting industry. One, what one traps otters and makes furs, uh, coats and blankets and all sorts of stuff out of otters. And, um, and there's 
and sitting around that table, I felt very humble and felt very like I I definitely mm-hmm. was the bottom end of the totem pole on that. I was also the youngest one at the table as well. Um, Get yeah, it, girl. Which was really cool. <laughs> and it was awesome to see. But yeah, there's a definitely a lot of female Alaskans up here that hunt and fish and go out on their own. And, and there's a good community up here for it. Um, but yeah, there's, I'm, I don't want to say I'm a rare commodity. I want to say that the fact that my husband and I do so much together and what we do is rare. Um, hmm. But that's awesome. There's also other, there's other couples that go out and hunt together and sheep hunt and do that as well. Um, just not as, not as much. I was actually calculating the amount of time that my husband and I spend together. Um, and we spent a ton of time together. There's not very much time apart this year. We only had a little bit in October, November, um, when he was out doing deer and elk hunts in South Dakota and New Mexico. But besides that, we spend like 40% of our time in like in our house and like 60% of our time is in a two man tent or in a car. Oh my God. I'm surprised you guys haven't killed each other yet. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a good match. (laughs) Like, so when we're in town, we're doing a lot of stuff. We're trying to do a lot of stuff apart. And that way, because when we're not in town, we're constantly together. Yeah. I mean, we just did the show circuit and we drove from well we started out in Atlanta because that's where I that's where I flew to for to spend my birthday and a couple days before Christmas but we drove to Key West to spend Christmas and New Year's with his parents and then we drove back to Atlanta to see one of my or two of my best friends they just had a newborn so we went and saw him and then we drove to Texas for the Dallas show Mm -hmm. and from Texas we drove to Reno for the sheep show then we drove back to Texas to hunt. Then we drove back to Reno oh my goodness. for another show. And then we went to, we ended up having truck problems. So we ended up going to Salt Lake for another show and then back to Reno. And then we drove back to Alaska. So tons of, oh my God. Tons of time in the car together. Um, wow. You drove from Alaska to Atlanta? Well, originally we drove down in September. Uh, and needed to okay. guide, or Lynn was guiding elk hunts in New Mexico. So originally we drove down in September from Anchorage, and then I was flying wow. back, and he stayed down there. So it was all September to February, I guess. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, I don't. That is. Yeah, I'm no good in the car past like three and a half hours. So <laughs> that is like my nightmare. <laughs> it's amazing that you guys do that, and that is awesome. I would never be. Do we, that. Like, we like to drive and go see different things and go to different parks and stuff. Yeah. Did you play a lot of like car games, like I Spy and? Actually, no. <laughs> Those types of things. We listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, oh, cool. We've also we also sit in silence a lot. <laughs> um, the hallmark of a strong relationship. It's very. Like, <laughs> Oh, they're trying times, definitely. Um, oh, yeah. And I would say they're more trying because of me than him in those situations. Um, that's okay. <laughs> we get there. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, um, it's fine. 
but yeah, there's you see so much more from the road than you do if you fly, and you can go and different things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we had three weeks in between sheep show and SCI, and we didn't know what we were gonna do if we were gonna go snowmobiling, hunting. I don't know fishing. We had no clue, and we got the opportunity to go hunt in Texas, which is why we drove back. Um, would you guys end up hunting in Texas? Ended up getting nothing. Um, oh, oh, <laughs> what were you trying to get? <laughs> For access, Sika, and pigs, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. and we saw like forty something white tails. Oh, that's awesome. How did you not get any hogs? They're overrun here. Um, we were bow hunting. Okay. Okay. They oh. they were at every stand that we were not at. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the one time that we saw them, they were about 150 yards out running across the path. Uh, really? Like, yeah. I could have gotten them with a rifle, but not with my bow and arrow. Yeah. Well, maybe next time you come back to Texas, let us know. We'll set you up on a thermal hunt because those are a ton of fun. You go out at night and hunt the hogs. That would be fun. My husband did that in Texas two years ago. It's so much fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thermal hunting. It's definitely like, I mean, you can see mice running across the field. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. And then we've got a friend who owns a thermal drone company. So what he'll do is you just kind of hang out and he'll send the drones out to find out where they're at. And then we will drive over to whatever that field is. And then he'll use the drones to scare the hogs towards you. And you basically just set up a firing line. It's and really because, fun. <laughs> hogs, you can hunt them that way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, they're such a nuisance that it's, it's the only way we can have an advantage because they reproduce so dang much and in such high oh, numbers. They're bad. It's like, it's def- we need some sort of advantage <laughs> on them, man. We do. We went. Uh, my husband went hog hunting. Have you done it from a helicopter? I have not. I want to so bad, though. It looks yeah. amazing. I just got to ride along, um, and it was one of the most fun experiences. Like that might be on my number three hunt as far as like best hunt ever. And I didn't even get to hunt. <laughs> it awesome. was so cool. That's awesome. To fly around and just watch them shoot them out of a plane. (laughs) Yeah. We got got a group of like 20 and he got, I think, I don't know, 18 out of the 20. He got a bunch of them. It was awesome. That's amazing. Okay. Well, now that you brought it up as your number three, you have to tell us what your two and your one were. Oh, yeah. My number... My number one hunt... I would have to, it's a tie. I got two of them. And okay. So my number one and number two hunt, I don't know which one to put number one and number two because of the fact that I'm going to go with this one first and then I'll go with the second one. Um, so last, two falls ago, I ended up getting my first big game animal without Lynn. Okay. Um, which uh, in my book was huge because I I hadn't hunted without him before. Um, and my intention wasn't to hunt without him, but he had actually fo- flown out of base camp up in the Brooks range. And I was left at camp with another guide, Ethan. And so Riley and Lynn flew out. It was the first 
good day of weather in a while. So we were getting ready to get out of camp to go back home to Anchorage. And Lynn flew out and Riley was on the return. And Ethan and I were cooking lunch. And he looks out and he's like, hey, there's a bear about a thousand yards away. Do you want to go get it? I'm like, heck yeah, I do. So (laughs) we had all of camp scattered all over the place trying to dry it out. We don't know where anything is. I don't know where my gun is. I don't know where my hiking boots are. He doesn't know where anything is either. So we're running around and he's like, have you seen a boot that looks like this one? I'm like, no. He's like, okay, well, well, I'm going to grab this. And I ended up grabbing tennis shoes and we had to wade across the river. And he's like, are you fine? I'm like, whatever. We're going back to base camp. Like, just go. So we're like knee deep in a river. I'm in tennis shoes or not tennis shoes, but like hiking shoes and He's in waders, and um, we ended up sneaking up over a knoll, and it was 92 yards away, and put it down. It was pretty awesome. That's Rock- awesome. Rock- That's so he's fun. like, hey, we have 30 minutes to turn around. You got We got to load the plane up now. We're losing daylight. And I gotta- <laughs> You're like, land it by the bear. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not there now. <laughs> oh, okay. So... Uh, I end up texting Lynn on the sat phone bear down won't be out till tomorrow, which that was, he said was the most exciting, disappointing text he's ever gotten. Oh, <laughs> that meant we are another day from going like driving home and he was stuck in happy Valley without food or water, which I mean, he was fine oh, just eaten before he left, so he's not going to die. But it was like, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I ended up staying at camp, taking care of my bear. And Riley flew me out the next morning, first light, and then we celebrated and drove home. And so that one was pretty cool because it was my first big game animal without Lynn. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But then this past year, Lynn and I ended up doubling up on sheep, um, doll sheep. And so awesome. that means we both got sheep same day, actually same gun, 150 yards apart. That's awesome. Which oh, wow. being able to shoot two sheep, two good legal sheep in the same area and that close isn't very common. Um, and we were able to drag my sheep to his and get pictures of both of us together with our sheep, which that, that was so fun. Um, and that hunt, I didn't even know that I was going to shoot a sheep. Actually, it was the way that Lynn and I work is when we go out hunting, we rotate who gets to shoot. So that way we don't get out there and all of a sudden there's like a huge sheep and we're fighting over who gets to shoot it. (laughs) <laughs> and going over well you shot this type of sheep last time and you shot this type and you got to actually you know fire the rifle this time so yep. we go out and we know who's going to go after which animal and if it's my turn to shoot and let's say we're going after caribou and I don't want the caribou but Lynn wants it he can go ahead and shoot but then it's still my turn to shoot the next like the next So Mm -hmm. we were going after the sheep and Lynn actually told me, I think he told me there's one legal one, two squeakers, which means that eh, they're barely legal, but, or they might be legal, but we don't really want them. And then there are two that were not legal. And at this point in time, Lynn has, I think five sheep 
I have one sheep. We're we're being picky and we're passing. <laughs> we had already passed on I think three or four different sheep earlier in the hunt. And so when he tells me there's two squeakers, I'm like, okay, I'm not shooting. Like, whatever, it's gonna be him. And we waited and waited until the sheep were in a good area, and I hadn't seen them the entire hunt. And we snuck through the riverbed, and Ling got set up, and he's laying down for what felt like 10 minutes, probably five minutes, and he's laying there, and I can see him trying to steady his breath. And he he goes ahead and he shoots, and then normally when he shoots, he stands up and he gets excited, and this time he turned around. And, like, looked at me and waved me up and said, come up. So I crawled up, and he's like, hey, see that sheep? And he's like, the one that's so-and-so from the left, so-and-so from the right, he's feeding this way, he's feeding that way, he's looking at us, he's doing this, he's doing that. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, that's your sheep, take him. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> You're like, what? And he's like, take him. Okay. Get set up, take him, take your time. So I, and he told me where to shoot, and I ended up shooting and missing and he's like, did you shoot on like above his back where I told you? And I said, no, I shot where I normally shoot. And so then the second shot, I ended up shooting where I was supposed to put him down, which was awesome. That's so cool. Um, it ended up being 368 yards. Um, That's a hard wow. shot. The longest I've shot. Yeah. Which, and put him down we walked up to my sheep and then dragged him over to or no we walked up to Lynn's sheep first and Lynn was like I think yours might actually be bigger and his was big (laughs) we walked up to mine and mine actually was it wasn't bigger um but it they're both good sheep and then yeah and then that was my first big game animal that I had to skin and, and almost skin pretty much quarter up all by myself because he had his own to take care of. Um, so that yeah. I've seen it before. I've seen it. I've helped him before. Um, so that was a, a good challenge and a good, good experience. Got them all quartered up and then we had 10 miles to the airstrip. So we ended up shuttling it, which meant we carried the meat a certain, well, the first night we carried it all to a certain spot to, to camp. And then the second day we carried it all out. So we would carry the meat for like a mile to where we could still see it and walk back and get the hide and horns, carry it to the meat, then pick up the meat load, carry it to the next spot. And 10 miles to the airstrip, which meant 20 mile pack out because we did it. Wow. Um jeez. That's so, a lot of that's a lot of lugging of stuff. We both had, <laughs> we both You're a strong had, girl. <laughs> yeah, we both had sheep and we both had camp, so it was a no-brainer yeah. as far as packing it out um and shifts cuz there there was no way that I would have been able to do the whole sheep and camp and Lynn Lynn full mounted his sheep, so doing wow. the sheep camp was a struggle for him wow. too. Uh but so full mount, for those of you who don't know, do you want to go into that yeah, for us? Yeah, so a please? full mount means that when you take your animal to the taxidermy, which is the person that, if you don't don't know, and I guess you, I don't want to be ignorant, but stuffs animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, some people would say. 
Um, so it's what if you go into Cabela's or Sportsman's or you see the mounts on the wall or mounts in your house of the animal. A full mount is when you have the entire animal. So it's a life-size sheep that's going to be mounted um, instead of the head so or he... the, the full body. Yeah. So the entire hide where sometimes you can sacrifice some of the weight by only doing from the mm-hmm. shoulders up if you're just going to do a shoulder mount. and So that's a lot more. That's additional yeah. weight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But with how late, and I'm kind of, he walked up to mine and asked me if I wanted to full mount mine. And I said no, because I want to full mount my first sheep, which was the sheep I shot to the year before. And because mm-hmm. it was my first sheep ever, it took me the 38 days total, I think. Because I hunted wow. sheep for a season before that and didn't get one. And then the second season got one um so that one was like a victory within itself and a challenge that I was like I'm full mounting this thing like it was a lot and yeah hindsight 2020 I should probably have full mounted this last one because the hides were so long and the fur was a lot better because it was a lot colder Um, Mm. the hide's gonna look awesome on the sheep that Lynn gets done uh (laughs) but I decided what I wanted so that was it yeah and there will be lots of other sheep in your future i'm sure that you can be like oh i want to get this one full body mounted if you've got room at the house and all of those other considerations that go into (laughs) mounting an animal exactly and how many other animals i want to get mounted and everything so um but because those are definitely like my top two hunts i would say but that's so cool every hunt that we have had has been a different experience. So it's, it's definitely, they all, they all take their yeah. own, their own little piece out of it. Definitely. Are fun, are fun for different reasons. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so I know that you've been working with some brands like WSI and go wild and savage. Um, and WSI, didn't you guys do a collaboration with them recently? Yeah. This past year, uh, Priscilla, one of the co-owner of WSI, her and her husband were talking and they ended up signing us, signing Lynn and I on and doing the Hoffman Life uh, signature series. And what we did is we took some of our pictures from Alaska and designed, clo- designed cold weather gear uh, through WSI, uh, and that's so cool. Yeah, and did a line, and I. Okay, let's be honest. Who can say that people have designed clothes based off of their life? That's it is, so cool. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. It's a pretty. It was a pretty. It's a really cool experience and a really unique experience too. Yeah, and it started out with Priscilla and I got to know each other over the sh- show circuit, and she needed she was doing sheep leggings for the sheep shows and she she did marco polo and she did a a big corn sheep and she needed doll rams and lynn won live sheep for the wild sheep show photo contest and she's like what better person to sign on than them to do doll sheep and then she talked to joel and joel's like why not do a whole line and we Mm -hmm. ended up 
creating northern lights leggings doll sheep and um bear leggings and then we did a brooks range shirt that's like a black um it's a thicker material so it's used as a base layer and on the back it has a picture of the brooks range one of the mornings that we woke up from sheep camp and it's got snow on the mountains and the red tundra and um and all of our pictures have the location also printed on the clothing somewhere so like that one has brooks range written on it and then my northern lights ones have the gps coordinates because it was at caribou camp and there's no town anywhere close um and then the guy's line has like european mounts of of actually lynn sheep that he got this past year and his caribou that he got two years ago and there's uh, boxer briefs that have a sheep and a caribou on it and then there's a guy's base layer pant that has sheep skull on it and a and a hoodie a lightweight hoodie that has a sheep skull on it um that are pretty cool and yeah that's awesome so where can you find this stuff is this in store somewhere right now that's online at wsisports.com and you can use code lhak10 for 10% off um and yeah so you can buy it online it's under the Hoffman Life signature series okay what's that code one more time lhak10 lhak10 all right 10% off and all of the products are made there right in Egan Minnesota um the Alaska line, Lynn and I, Lynn and Priscilla and I designed, um, and yeah, we released it Black Friday. It did awesome during the show circuit, which is all the different trade shows for the hunting industry, and we'll see. Yeah, because I asked awesome. Lacey for a pair, or not Lacey, <laughs> you're Lacey, <laughs> Priscilla for a pair of the Northern Lights leggings, and she's like, no, we have to give those to real customers. I'm like, what? But they ended up, <laughs> that was at like the BSC show and they sold out by like, the show started on Thursday and I think you guys were sold out by like Friday afternoon of that particular one. I'm like, I want these ones so bad. So I'm going to have to call Priscilla and be like, hey, hook me up. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> you should. I, I actually just got my pair last <laughs> If that makes Isn't... you feel any better. Isn't that like the worst? It's like you're the one that like <laughs> like put together the whole line and like you don't get the samples or like a, a pair until like everybody else gets to buy them. <laughs> yeah, but I'm also like, do I sell the product or do I get one for free? So it's like exactly double edged sword. Like, every pair that I get, I'm like, dude, I could have sold those. You're like that was however much money in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Oh crap! <laughs> but yeah. It's- it's been a really cool experience and the the northern lights ones are like are one of my I don't know I say it's my favorite but then I put the other ones on and I'm like oh those are my favorite but it <laughs> I, I chuckled because I I brought them to my friend's house in Georgia Ashley and I showed them to her and she started laughing and she's like that's so cool because there's a picture the northern lights ones have a tent on it and then mm-hmm. it has a shadow and it's me in the shadow of it's a silhouette of me and then it's me looking at all the northern lights in the distance so she's like she's giggling and she's like that's so cool when you put them on every time do you say like oh my gosh I have me on my pants and like are you excited and it's like (laughs) 
And I was like, I didn't think about that. That's weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a great pickup line. I mean, yeah. so now every time I put those ones on, I think of her and her expression of what she had because I didn't, I didn't think about that aspect until she said it. Yeah, you can um, be like, hey, I can see, I can see me on fun. your pants. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Oh, that's yeah. I'm just so glad that that line did well for you guys because it's just really cool designs and you know hopefully some of our listeners go and check them out and buy some stuff from you guys because you got some really cool photos and WSI makes really awesome products. It, Great it, stuff it, for the outdoorsy people. Yeah, they definitely they're good base layers mm-hmm. and they're good layers to just wear around. So awesome, cool. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap up, we always ask our guests, you know, if you could give three to five pieces of advice to somebody who's interested in getting involved in what you do. Um, I know sheep hunting is kind of lofty for most people, but what would be kind of your just woman to woman advice? If you're going out for the first time, what do you do? What do you not do? How do you get prepped? Um, what's your advice? Be someone who's interested. Before I go into that, I'm going to do another little plug. Okay. Um, we've also been working with go wild app. And Go Wild app is like, for lack of a better word, Instagram for the outdoor world. So if you're looking to get out of like Facebook or Instagram and all the coronavirus random crap, and you just see the outdoor Mm -hmm. industry and hunting and fishing and camping and kayaking and even hammocking and all sorts of stuff, download Go Wild app. It's free. It's awesome. You can follow whatever trails. You can log your trophies or all your hunts and your experiences. And it's really cool. They do giveaways giveaways every Sunday. Um, We need a ton more females on there because it's a lot of male concentrated. Um, It's safe for Mm -hmm. everybody. Everybody posts pictures as far as like kids stuff all the way to we have older people on there. Um, everybody it's a great place for advice if you're looking like hey i want to go on a hunt in texas what should i bring everybody will tag people from texas and people will give advice about it um and yeah it's got a bunch of cool features so check it out it's it's definitely worth it um but as far as advice for other females that want to get into hunting um obviously take your hunter safety that's number one key I can't I can't go into more about that but everybody says that um but once you've taken your hunter safety get familiar with all your gear that's huge be able Mm -hmm. to set up on all your like my huge thing my huge challenge with animals has been being able to get set up in time in different scenarios I know it's different from a tree stand than it is from mountain hunting um when I'm out hunting, I obviously don't have set stuff to get set up in, but I know when I've tree stand hunted and gotten into position, like I haven't necessarily been set up to where I can put my gun in an easy location or put my bow in an easy location and check for branches that might be in the way if a deer is in a certain location. Um, Mm -hmm. Check distances Mm -hmm. when you get into where you're going to shoot. And see where things are, arrange them before you get into the position to shoot. That way you aren't dealing with two things at once being new. Um, 
I know that when I got into the tree stand in Texas this past year and I was archery hunting, I picked several different spots that I knew where 15 yards was, 20 yards, 25 yards, and my whole radius of where too far was to shoot. Way when a deer came in, I mm-hmm. didn't even have to think about that. Um, yeah, because I mean, you're already trying to, you're already, you know, buck fever and heart rate <laughs> at that point that you don't want to <laughs> think about the different distance. Um, I would also say that when you're getting ready to shoot and you're practicing shooting, um, get your heart rate elevated when you go to shoot after you're comfortable. Like, do 10 push-ups or run and do a sprint and then come back and shoot because your heart's not going to be calm when you are shooting like it is Mm -hmm. at a range Mm -hmm. um and then not only with like your your gear that you're shooting with get comfortable with your backpack get comfortable with your clothes make sure that like test them out before you go out into the woods like a tree stand is miserable to sit in if you're cold um or even too hot Mm. So get out there in the in nature and actually use your gear before you use it hunting. Um, yeah. Awesome. I don't know what well, else. Well, that's because <laughs> I know like one of the things that I've always kind of wondered is like when you're out in the bush for like weeks at a time, what do you do if you get your, you know, your unwelcome sister <laughs> that comes to visit? What do you do with that? <laughs> um, if you're out for weeks at a time, <laughs> um, it's, I've had to deal with it. I just, I mean, I deal with it like I would at, at home as far like, I mean, pack it in, pack it out. I keep a mountain house bag that I keep labeled so that Lynn doesn't go in it and try to throw away. <laughs> but he um, Gets a surprise. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I dispose of them that way. And then I keep extra baby wipes. That way I'm keeping clean. Um, Yeah. Luckily, in the Brooks range, I mean, we have a shower at base camp, but we're out. If we're out in the woods, then I have to deal with that in the woods and just deal with it like I would at home. Just bag it up, Um, which doesn't sound fun to do, but there's no other really no other solution. Um, Yeah part of it i guess right you just gotta work around what you got might be tmi but luckily mine's light enough to where i don't have to deal with it like <laughs> several hours of the day um, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's, well you just gotta work around what you got right it's never a, i always i always keep extra pads anyways in my first aid kit um and that's only that's because we were out actually snowmobiling at one point in time and we were coming back later in the evening and it was flat light and we were following a trail and one of the guys went off the trail and ended up actually flipping a snow machine or snowmobile oh, man. down into the ditch and he ended up with a big scrape on his arm and we used a pad instead of a band-aid because it covered his entire <laughs> scrape and he kept <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> um, Just just well, insult injury right there, right? He, he was hilarious. He's a boat captain, and he's like, "Bring on the pads!" And he's like, I don't care. I, I'm a man. Um, ever, ever since that experience, I've 
kept extra ones in my first aid kit for that reason in general. Um, so yeah, it's, what's a good idea? It's multi-use. And also <laughs> another thought is if you get really bad nosebleeds, you can use tampons for multi-use too. Cause I've seen <laughs> players use them. I have to use them. Um, <laughs> Oh, I learned that in what's the she's yep. the man in yep. the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, like every I mean, everyone's got to deal with it differently. I know that uh, on somewhat of the same subject, females have been using shewees and tree stands to pee. Dude, I've used one of those before. That's a game changer for being I outdoors. I use mine snowmobiling, and I've forgotten mine every time I'm hunting but I use mine snowmobiling and if you haven't used one I would look into it I know there's different brands I haven't tried any other I've just tried Chewy Mm -hmm. I recommend practicing in the shower before you go out in the wilderness to use it because different people do different things (laughs) um as far as like if you're peeing fast (laughs) it back goes Um, (laughs) so don't wait till you have to like go and you're gonna just explode um Jesus. <laughs> this is, hey, yeah, really this is very, this very valuable. Stuff. This is why we do these podcasts for this type of advice. But we found out on the snowmobile trails. Um <laughs> yeah, like and if you like there's certain pressures, like if you put certain pressure, like you can't pee no matter what. And like we've tested things out. Um but yeah, it's oh my god. It's a huge game changer though to be able to pee standing up and have it funneled. Like it's weird. But it works. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I be I used it camping, and I honestly couldn't tell you where it is in my house right now. But no, like I, I I'm trying to think of the. There's another name of one. It's like it starts with a P oh. or something. Yeah, I I can't think of it, but it's another funny pun. Um. <sighs> Either way, uh, yeah, it works. <laughs> it works really well. Um, but yeah, I would definitely look into that if you're if you're looking into different, different ways to pee in the wilderness. <laughs> oh. Have you okay. obviously haven't used one or seen one because I don't think you'd be laughing as hard as if you tried it. <laughs> so I've tried one, but it didn't go well. Like. Oh, that's why you're <laughs> not a successful experiment I just was like I don't care enough I I don't spend enough time outdoors for this to be an issue (laughs) yeah no I tried it like in real life yeah (laughs) I didn't practice before so maybe I'll have to revisit (laughs) oh my gosh y'all I'm looking at some of the names of these and it is so bad. Okay. So <laughs> you've got the Shiwi. You've got the Lady P, just like oh my just God. the letter. The 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 Wiz the Wiz Freedom <laughs> might be my favorite name. <laughs> Although the style is probably not my favorite construction. The pee the pee pocket, which is disposable. Oh my god. <laughs> Yikes. These are hilarious, but they work. (laughs) Lacey stands by it. They do. They do. 
if you want to sponsor me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sell you. I'll sell you. Um, oh my god. Yeah, like I said, it's a, that's it. a game changer as far as that goes. <laughs> well, anyways, well, thank you so much for joining on us, joining us on the, the podcast today, Lacey. Um, if somebody wants to find you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, on Instagram, you can look me up at the Hoffman Life. Uh, it's my husband and my joint account. Uh, same as Facebook and YouTube. We need to update more, but we'll have more videos up on YouTube. We have some of our hunts up there and some of our fishing trips. And then, uh, so the Hoffman Life. And then we also have a website, thehoffmanlife.com. And that has different uh, who we guide for and then snowmobile tours and then different blogs about us as well. So it's got all of our information that we've started to develop all in one place. And that will eventually have more stuff added onto it. We're hoping to add maybe some tutorials and some other things on there as well eventually that's the long goal. <laughs> um, awesome but yeah so on the Hoffman Life you can find us if you are going to ask questions or send messages and they're specifically for me just put Lacey at the top because we both will both answer to them um, but yeah so just in case we want to reach out to you about the Shiwi so probably not direct that to Lynn no it doesn't is what you're saying <laughs> you can he knows how they work too so oh god <laughs> he just doesn't use so sorry in advance to Lynn for any messages that he gets about <laughs> female urination devices <laughs> still laughs at our <laughs> Oh man! If it's any like personal female stuff, which I don't know that anyone's gonna go, but if it's any personal female stuff, just message and say that you you know here's my number. I I have a personal female question, and then I'll (laughs) that way he doesn't that way he doesn't get involved in anybody's personal life if you don't. (laughs) Yeah, right. Just so you guys know. Poor guy. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you, Lacey, so much for joining us. Um, thank you again to our listeners. Um, feel free to look us up on social media. We are at Women's Sporting Club on Instagram, uh, backslash WSC Dallas on Facebook. And then, of course, our website, www.womensportingclub.com. Thank you for me and Karen and Lacey. Thank you so much for joining us.